This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a podcast dedicated to women losing their marbles. I'm Joe Lipset, and I'm joined, as always, by Jen Adams. Hello. As well as Gina Radcliffe. Hello. Ladies, we are headed back to work because we are working the nine to five grind. I said like, seconds ago I wasn't going to sing. Gonna sing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I knew one of you had to. <laughs> it's, I'm contractually obligated to sing that song every time Dolly Parton comes up. It's, it's a Which happens there. a lot down here, you know? It is. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so Gina, this is uh, this is your pick. Yes, uh, you know I thought it would be a, a, a nice change of pace from you know, what you've been doing. <laughs> You're so polite off air, Gina's like <laughs> we need a palate cleanser from that fatal attraction shit. Yeah, just like I said, like, like I said before we started, we just wash the stink out of our hair. There we go. But you, know, you, you don't often think that when you think of you know women going crazy you don't you don't always immediately go to comedy and mm-hmm. i mean there are a lot of comedy movies that involve uh, a you huge know. amount when you start to think about it right yeah i mean mm-hmm. you've got like she devil you've got movies like that oh my god i love she devil i'm adding it to the list <laughs> put it on the put it on the list uh, th- this is a little more subtle than than mm-hmm. than what we normally do but i, I think it definitely qualifies oh definitely yeah, and I feel like it's like women kind of losing their marbles, but in a good way, like an empowered way. Yeah, they're more they're more angry than than going crazy. Exactly, and justifiably angry too. I mean, I would say that they are in crisis for at least the first hour of the film until they kind of figure out what to do with Mister Hart. Mm-hmm. But and then they have a they have a mini crisis when they think they they've accidentally poisoned him. Yeah. 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 Well, and they're in crisis just working in this office, I think. You know, I could justify that too. Because that, <laughs> I just wrote in my notes, I stopped trying to consolidate and I was just like, oh, I hate him. And that's, yeah, sums up my thoughts. <laughs> He's a pretty bad boss. I mean, if folks have not seen this movie in a while, and maybe you're like me and you forgot the entire middle stretch where they <laughs> thought that they had poisoned the boss and we do like a body thing at the hospital. I forgot all about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it. I think in hindsight, it doesn't feel like the most essential part of the film, even though it's taking up quite a large part of the runtime. The mm-hmm. things that people remember are when the women come together so that they can take down the ogre boss. Mm-hmm. And like the their their fantasy sequences, which they are literally fantasizing about murdering him, which I think is <laughs> so funny and so like realistic that like mm. you know like a lot of other movies would be like, oh I'm fantasizing about humiliating him or something. It's like no, they're flat out fantasizing about shooting him and mounting his head on their wall. Yeah, <laughs> and torturing him first, like oh, it kind of implied that like we're going to like eat him <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It is wild because I clocked it because I definitely forgot about those sequences as well. It's approximately eight to nine minutes of runtime. And they're so good. I think they're so funny. It's funny, but it's it's weird. Like, uh, maybe I didn't get the kind of empowerment as much as like, oh, this is coming at a bit of an odd part of the film where I was like, when did we get to the actual revenge? Like, this is taking up so much mileage. But it's unique. Like, I don't think if we were making this movie or remaking this movie, which I'm sure we'll have that conversation later, I don't think you would include these moments because it kind of, it slows down the part that people are waiting to get to. Yeah, it does feel a little bizarre, you know, like all of a sudden there are cartoon characters in the hallway, which I enjoyed, but it is very, like, it feels Disney, you know? Mm-hmm. and Oh, sure. Which, and, but what I like about it and what, if we were to remake this now, I would hope they would do is kind of play with this, these masculine 
or ultra feminine stereotypes that I think are really interesting in these little segments, you know, like the big game hunter mounting the head on the wall. And then she's like the evil version of the coffee fairy that he's been kind of trying to turn her into. Like, I think they're, they're really unique in the way they kind of play with these stereotypes, but also Mm -hmm. murder the boss without feeling like really murdering. Like I watched this as a kid and I wasn't scared for him because it feels so goofy, you know? It's very cartoony, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but also, you know, you have to remember also they're like getting stoned during this sequence, right. so I can, I, yeah. I can, you know, I can definitely see like these long, elaborate, like you know, you're talking to your friends about these ridiculous like fantasies that you're having about murdering your boss, and like they're and you're dressed like Snow White, or <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it must have been some really good stuff. What was it, Maui Wowie? I think yeah, was smoking. that her son gives her, which I I, I, I love that. Yeah, I, I, love, I love the scene. It's like you're really tense, mom. I'm gonna roll you a joint. The kid's like right. sixteen. <laughs> it's like now, son, and then he convinces her. It's like don't don't tell grandma. Right. Oh. Well, three very different portrayals of womanhood, right? So we've yes. got the recent divorcee in Jane Fonda's Judy. And then we've got the kind of like single mother of four who has to do all of the men's jobs in <laughs> Lily Tomlin's Violet. And then we've got the happily married, seemingly living her best fucking life, <laughs> Dolly Parton, Dora Lee. She's like overtly sexy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, everybody, and, and, you know, and I think this is, you know, that this good thing is everybody, men and women alike, you know, automatically assume that she's stupid or that right. she slept with the boss to get her job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she literally has a song called Dumb Blonde, too, which is just part of the genius <laughs> of Dolly Parton. I could sing her praises all day long. <laughs> I mean, I understand that Jane Fonda was obviously a really big get. If you're thinking about a female comedian, Lily Tomlin is probably at the top of that list. Dolly Parton, to me, is the most inspired casting for this Mm -hmm. movie. Like, the movie knows exactly who Dolly Parton is, what she brings to the table, and how best to use her for this character. Well, did you guys watch... It it made the festival circuit last year. I I saw it for some festival. I don't remember which one. But there's a documentary about the making of 9 to 5. Oh, Oh, yes. Yes. Now, now that... The the part about the actual making of the movie is far more interesting than the second half, which is about, like, its impact on the world today, which gives a little little depressing to watch, considering Mm. current (laughs) events and all. But the the first half... Equal pay for women? What? (laughs) Yeah. Let's just leave that part out. (laughs) But the, the first half of the making of the movie was pretty interesting. And uh, Jane Fonda personally selected Lily Tomlin and and, oh, really? and, and Dolly Parton for, for, oh. these, for these. Well, she had been cast first. You're, you're right about that. They wanted her first. And that was her kind of, you know, well, I'll do this if you cast these two as my co-stars. Right. Yeah, because when I think of female trios in terms of like anchoring a bankable comedy about women who are just fucking sick of men, I think of this <laughs> movie and then I think of the First Wives Club. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was what was suggested to me to watch as soon as 9 to 5 was over also. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. it was. I was like, yes, I will do that. <laughs> Let me go ahead and press play on that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's interesting because they kind of, they hit a lot, like a very wide fan base as well, too. And I imagine like Dolly Parton probably has a lot of very um, traditional fans coming from the country genre so Mm -hmm. it feels like a little bit of subterfuge to kind of sneak this very like progressive message into people who are going to go watch the show because they love dolly parton you know right of course if you know anything about dolly parton you know that she is anything but conservative exactly she's still like like, fans are still like what do you mean dolly this i don't i don't follow you for this but like when she has been pretty open about her politics for you know forever yeah Uh and and certainly research and certainly since you know social media became a thing this is not something she's kept hidden Mm -hmm. i mean jesus christ she brought us a vaccine people exactly yes you know it's like oh you're surprised that gay icon dolly parton is not not conservative you know (laughs) what a shock too funny okay so gina tell me the first time that you saw this movie Oh, I must have seen it when I was a kid. It was a, it was a you know a big movie on cable. It's mm-hmm. it was huge upon release. I think it was the second most successful movie of 1980, which would have been put it just right behind The Empire Strikes Back. 
which nice. is particularly amazing because it was a woman-led comedy at mm-hmm. a, a, a time when, like, it's gotten any better. You know, women-led comedies had to struggle to find an audience. Right. And it was also released in December. So for it to make that much money to catch up right on the tails of Empire Strikes Back is just remarkable. And I don't know how many other comedies have managed to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. But you know, once it went to cable, it was on cable a lot. And yes. I just found myself watching it you know, a fair amount. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think even at a relatively young age, I, I got the jokes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, of course, you know, watching it again as an adult in the workforce, you know, it really you know, hit oh, me in a, in, a, in a different and more <laughs> profound way. It's like, okay, this is funny, but also it's not funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's funny because it's a little too close to home. And uh, maybe just since you, you talked about financials, I'll do a quick update. So this movie cost $10 million in 1980, and it grossed $103 million at the U.S. box office. Wow. So massively, massively successful. The most incredible thing is that they didn't immediately churn out a sequel like they would do now. Right. Mm-hmm. And they could have. I mean, you know, it, 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 it basically just ends with them taking over the, the, the office. Yeah. You know, they're, they're absolutely, and, and they did still have a nemesis whose story mm-hmm. had not been resolved. His, his, his assistant or whatever the hell she was supposed oh, to fucking be. Roz. Oh, yeah. Roz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she just kind of shows up at the very end. We don't see her reaction to anything that's happened. And he looks at this is now, they would have turned us into another franchise, but they didn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. 10 to 6, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Working overtime. Right. Oh, oh yeah. Well, and what sadly would probably have happened is they eventually got another man in that position and things things went back to the way they were because that's kind of what well, happened it's in life. <laughs> they, they did make a TV show. Really? Of course they did. That's yeah. why we didn't get a sequel because this mm. is what we did in yeah. those days, right? We would do TV versions. It was one of those, you know, classic TV show remakes of a movie where they just kind of hit a reset button on everything. Yep. So they are now back working for Franklin Hart. It's not the same actor. I remember which actor it was, but it's basically just you know the beginning of the movie, you know, all over again, where they have mm-hmm. to learn how to you know kind of outsmart this obnoxious boss. Mm. Right. As opposed to like a series where we could watch like three really awesome women like just run a company, that would be really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's just, be great um, in nineteen eighty. It's just <laughs> them sparring with this this character, this boss character. And yeah, right. I did. I think it last, if I remember correctly, it lasted a couple seasons, but it was not like any kind of. It didn't make any sort of mark the way the movie had. Hmm. Well, you gotta have Dolly Parton, you know. Well, I'm I'm curious. Why do the two of you think that this movie has? The legs and the chest and the hair that it did. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because it presents the ideal that we're still trying to get, you know, and mm. it, it gives us a little bit of hope and it is uplifting enough that it's not, it doesn't feel like a punch in the gut to watch, you know, like there are a couple of, well, many times where they talk about policy that's awful. Like, not putting your coffee cup on a desk? What is that? No, no plants. No plants. Exactly. It's like, what are we doing here? But Heaven like, forbid what... a plant on a desk in an office. It's not efficient. It's all, it's all micromanaging. It's, it's right. you know, exactly. micromanaging became a thing around around that time where they realized, you know, somebody claimed that the best way to, you know, increase productivity is to mm-hmm. give your, your employees the impression that you're, that you're constantly watching them and it turns out right. no the opposite happens yeah people don't like to be stared down no, like morale work morale drops immediately if you know that someone is timing your bathroom breaks mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but i mean a bunch of the things in this movie like the progressive policies that the women implement when mr hart is tied up you know stuff like working flexible hours offering daycare which we still don't have we, we still, still not don't have do that. it and you're just like this was I mean, I imagine it may have been a bit of a novel concept in 1980, but probably not so much. Like, mm-hmm. I imagine that they were drawing on some real life studies, but it's like, 
the fact that people still don't believe in things like flexible hours it's crazy that's that's why i said that the the second half of the documentary about it is very actually it's weirdly like hopeful and inspiring Mm -hmm. and it's like none of this has happened (laughs) but it hasn't happened like this is not a new movie i I, I appreciate the impact the pop culture impact the movie made and i don't blame like you anybody involved for the fact that nothing's really changed but it's like what are you why are you like applauding there's like you know nothing is really nothing overall i mean there's been little incremental improvements but like you know it's not like well thank god we you know it's not like that anymore it's like no it's very much like that right well and there are some places that have implemented some of these things like i'm sure Sure. there are workplaces that do have daycares and i'm sure there are like my company has flexible hours right now Mm -hmm. to an extent but the problem is that system-wide that's not the case and you have to just get lucky enough to be hired at one of these places and it's like when we talk about paid maternity leave like even my brain as feminist as i am and as man-hating as some people seem to think i am like (laughs) i start talking about like the benefits of paid maternity leave or the benefits of like uh supporting childcare or just letting your workers be humans and then my brain even goes into that well but how does it affect the bottom line and well and it just shows the mindset that we have in this country that it is all about profit and the bottom line is the most important thing and men because they and i'm not believing any of this but that's this is the culture is men are less emotional and so they are able to more easily make the hard decisions that protect the bottom line and it's just all bullshit it takes like a massive systemic mindset change that we are just still working on i haven't given up on it yet but we're definitely not there well, I feel like one of the funniest things that came out of the pandemic for me was this idea that we were still seeing record profits for CEOs and like golden parachutes mm-hmm. and stuff. And like you look at the figures and I get it. We are always going to be financially driven society, right? Like yes. we live in a capitalistic society. Mm-hmm. But the obscene wealth that rich people, that bosses end up making at the expense of their employees who are often the ones on the ground doing the work. And it's just like, you don't need to make that much money. You could actually pass some of that back to your employees. Mm-hmm. And yet we we just don't believe in that because we've told ourselves that, oh, well, we all aspire to become the boss so we can get that kind of payout. So it's exactly. you know, the American dream. If we worked harder, we would get what we want. But the reality is like, it doesn't work for Violet in this movie and it doesn't work for us in real life. Right. What I think is funny is how Franklin Hart, their boss, he is never shown doing anything. Exactly. He, he is only, uh, I think only maybe once or twice, you know, other than when they kidnap him, is he ever shown outside of his office. He's just sitting at his desk. Waiting for coffee. There's like a scene, yeah, there's a scene where he, where he dictates a letter. And, mm, and, yep. and like, that is it. And it's like, what do you get paid for? Yeah. Which is, which is true of virtually every CEO. You know, what have you done to justify earning this kind of money because you're not making decisions. You're giving you're not making everyday decisions. That's middle management. You know, you're not dealing with the employees. That's human resources and their supervisors. You know, you're not having meetings with anyone again. You know, maybe you'll have like, you know, once a month meeting with your management team, Mm -hmm. but it's like, what exactly are you getting paid for? And that's why they want us to come back to the office, because when they can't <laughs> yep. oversee us, they don't have anything to do. They can't justify their own their own <laughs> salaries. Exactly. And it really reveals who is actually doing the work. And not saying that there is no work in management, because it can sure. be really hard. But yeah, the kind of management that is just micro micromanaging. But you're, when your job at, this, at a certain point is just trickling down tasks to people, you know, yes. you, you, you've made it. You've really made it. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Golf clap, golf clap, golf On, clap. You know, your quote unquote exactly. hard work has paid off. <laughs> Joe, I want to ask you because mm-hmm. we, we're talking about the American dream, quote unquote. And as right. a Canadian, is is it is that the culture in Canada as well? Um I think for the most part, yes. We don't have 
an equivalency. Like we don't have a Canadian dream in mm-hmm. the same mode, but I think it's also because we don't look at ourselves as a nation of immigrants who have had to like mm. build up our work ethic by our bootstraps and accomplish something. Like we don't have that same kind of mentality, but mm-hmm. absolutely, you know, a lot of people, their goal is to climb that corporate ladder, get the bigger paycheck. It's tough. I mean, I think it's societally bred in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. And unfortunately, we're still in the habit of saying, well, it's mostly going to be men who achieve these positions. Women are primarily going to be in either subservient roles, assistant roles, that kind of stuff. It's (laughs) you scared me, Gina, when you said, yeah, you know, those movies are 1980, because I definitely thought this movie was from like the late 80s or the early 90s. It is over 40 years old. That's the year I was born is 1980. Like, I think this was even this predates me. It's just, it, it's wild, right? Like, the, the office politics is obviously, we're not doing quite as much sexual harassment maybe. Mm-hmm. Not in such explicit terms. There's still, like, an anti-union subplot, which, uh-huh. you know, hey, guess what? We're still dealing with that now. I yep. appreciated, too, that the two people that seem to have it even harder than our three female protagonists is the black man who's in the mailroom who doesn't mm-hmm. even get considered for Jane Fonda's job. And then also uh, the single mother who gets fired when she wants to work part time and then she gets brought back. So mm-hmm. it, it was interesting to see. Obviously, these are not characters. They are like people who show up for a scene or two. But to even have a movie recognize them in 1980 felt surprisingly progressive. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, and they also mention, like, Jane Fonda, she is about to ask, like, I can't live on this wage, and then mm. Violet kind of cuts her off. So the, the concept of a livable wage as well, which is unfortunately something we're still dealing with, too, and probably has not gone up much since this movie came out. Right. Nope. <laughs> but meanwhile we can afford to send Roz for uh oh yeah foreign language language classes yeah please don't tempt me with a good time it's when you know like when uh violet is complaining to her son about you know being basically you know the boss franklin hart takes credit for some ideas she had and the son rather reasonably says why don't you complain about it Right. And and she's like, well, I can't, you know, I'm up for a promotion. <laughs> and, it's like, and, it, and it's, you know, again, that very much, you know, don't say anything, you know, be happy. You have that whole attitude of be happy. You have a job in the first place, which is, uh-huh. oh, which yeah. is one of the most pernicious attitudes in, in, I would say I, that is a uniquely American attitude. Don't mm-hmm. complain, be happy with what you have. Yeah, right. I can't afford to quit. Essentially. Right, I can't. I uh-huh. cannot afford. I need this promotion, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to smile and go along with you know, every little minor and major insult I you know I take on this job because I need mm-hmm. the I, I need the work. I need the job. Yeah. What's wow. the alternative? There's a line of people who would be happy to take this job just waiting. And she's a, um, I mean, it's it's not explicitly said, but she's a middle aged woman. Yep. Who would have a very difficult time starting from the uh, starting all over again from the bottom and entering the workforce? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that situation has not changed either. Nope. Oh, believe me, I know that. <laughs> we do not value women who have to raise children. We don't consider it labor, and we certainly don't think that they have any skills to contribute to the workforce. And then yeah. when their kids grow up, then they're considered too old, or or you know they they haven't supposedly haven't kept up with the technology or anything like that. They just make that assumption. Yeah, yeah. Like if anything, Jane Fonda's lucky that she's still hot and wears big hats. Otherwise, she might not have gotten the job. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and it's this this pink collar. What do they call it? A pink collar hellscape or a pink collar nightmare? Yeah, yeah. It's instead of the mm-hmm. glass ceiling, we're calling it a pink collar. I thought that was interesting. I have still heard that quite a bit. Of course, I also taught for thirteen years, so that is definitely a pink collar industry. But it's just mm. in this country, well, in America, we don't value caregiving at all. It's not mm. just that we don't value caregivers or women who are traditionally put in that role it's that we don't value the caregiving at all it's why nurses are underpaid it's why teachers are underpaid it's why secretaries are underpaid you know and and we just don't value that 
because we expect that women will always be there to take it up. And I don't know how many times I've heard with teaching, like, well, it's a passion profession. You do it because you love it, not because you get paid. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I still need to get paid. It's like, I got to eat. My passion isn't going to pay for my food. (laughs) Exactly. I got bills. Right. (laughs) (laughs) My passion feeds me. Mm, I'm so satiated. (laughs) Nom, 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 nom. Oh my god, can you imagine Ooh. if passion did keep the lights on or it did feed us? Like Ooh. Jesus Christ, we would be the CEOs, wouldn't we? Exactly. We absolutely would be, yes. <laughs> huh, and the world would be better. One thing I like about how these characters are situated, you know, they, they feel like real fleshed out people, but they're also, you know, archetypes of yes. a, you know different women's experiences in the workplace. Uh-huh. Like Judy is uh, inexperienced. She, mm-hmm. you know, this is her first job in forever since before she got married, I think. And, you know, now she has to support herself. You know, this is all things that, you know, people would immediately assume that, that they're not suited for their jobs. So you've got Judy, who's inexperienced. You've got Dorley, who's too sexy, which I guess that, like, <laughs> you know, makes her, you know, not able to, you know, you know, write down something on a, you know, a piece of paper. And mm. then you've got, you, you've got Violet, who's, you know, she's getting old. She's getting long in the tooth. So, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, they all represent a, you know, quote unquote problem people, you know, you know, kind of base a woman's worth in the workplace on. Right. Yeah, or like a, a perceived deficit. Right. A def- yeah, exactly. That's that's a much better word for it. Like, you know, th- this is a this is a flaw. That, mm-hmm. Something that, you have to overcome. Yeah. Right. That rather than saying that she's experienced and knowledgeable that Violet is she, getting old. Oh. She's old. Mm-hmm. Or that, you know, Judy is eager and willing to learn. You know, she's inexperienced. Yeah. You know, where, you know, where in men, these would be, these would be positive qualities. I don't know what the male parallel is for you're too sexy, but. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I can talk about that. mustache. <laughs> Woo. I do find Dabney Coleman strangely um, alluring <laughs> in this role. <laughs> He was probably the number one asshole in eighties movies. Oh my gosh! Yes, he plays it to perfection, though. He really you know, does. God bless him. He's still alive. He's so hissable. <laughs> but it's oh. like it. You know, this really could have gone into an an arch kind of broad comedy way, and I think that's mm-hmm. maybe why the body snatching part of the ER storyline doesn't work as well for me. Is it? It almost feels like we've gone into a different kind of 80s comedy. It was giving mm-hmm. me very like, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead, adventures in babysitting, other movies with babysitting in the title. And I, 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 do, I, do, I do think that Lily Tomlin trying very hard to keep it together is very funny, though. And, and, and mm-hmm. it feels, it feels yes. to, me, to me, it feels very relatable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're grounding it, but the idea that we're literally talking about getting cement blocks to bury a body in the <laughs> right. was like, oh, it is and it is not a different movie. But so much of them, like, leaving work in the middle of the day so they could have a drink because they just can't fucking take it. That scene where Violet complains to her black coworker about how, like, something's got to give because if he asked her to get coffee just one more time, she's going to snap, she's going to break. Like, I was like, oh my God, I have had coffee break conversations with coworkers where I was like, I just can't fucking do it today. I'm about mm-hmm. to have a meltdown. Oh, absolutely. I have a coworker and he and I would just take walks around the block and we had a signal when we needed to just get out and we would just walk around the block and vent and then come back in and get it together. Yeah. And what's interesting, I think, about all of this is the way I think Mr. Hart, like, plays the women off of each other. You know, like, Mm -hmm. he's the one. And I definitely think that is something we still see, unfortunately, is because when the women start, all three of them really kind of don't like each other. You know, Jane Fonda, I think, does like Violet, but they're really at odds and they're only together because they have to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a way people like Mr. Hart keep people lower on the totem pole of power distracted because, oh, you're not mad. Well, they are still mad at him, but it's easier to be mad at the secretary who might be sleeping with the boss because you can actually do something about that, you know? Well, and I think it's also important that it's women turning against women at the behest of a man. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised that Roz is a female character (laughs) who is basically hiding out and reporting on other women like she's in fucking Nazi Germany or something. Yeah, she's a classic toady. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And the, and, yeah. the, and the funny part is, 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 is Hart probably just has zero respect for her. No, precisely precisely be, because she is, you know, can't, she can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But she has decided she is never going to get to the very top of that ladder of power. And so mm-hmm. she's going to get as high as she possibly can by just licking his boots every day and doing his dirty work and knocking all the other women down. Yeah, yeah and stepping on the other women's heads. Yep, and yep. that's what keeps the patriarchy in power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because right. there's there's like a male equivalent to Roz near the end of the film as the women are implementing their new policies and procedures. We see a man taking note of all of these. And uh, it's a character actor. I meant to pay attention to who he was, but he ends up reporting this to like not even the next boss up at the higher level boss, Mr. Tinsworthy. The, the guy that looks like uh, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he comes in just like firing pistols in the air. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big uh, Southern U.S. energy coming from this guy. Mm, yep. But, you know, it seems like this guy was a Raw's equivalent. And I thought, oh, okay, he's going to be reporting that the women have actually been doing this. And he's the one who's tattling back to the next boss. It turns out he's actually just noting progress. But mm-hmm. it felt like the movie was insinuating that there are people who are constantly watching everything that you're doing and in some cases it's oh you turned around record efficiencies up 20 percent in the last six weeks but the other version is i'm literally writing down people's sins on toilet paper in the bathroom mm-hmm. yeah and all they're talking about is is maybe forming a union right <laughs> exactly yeah and can we talk about Mrs. Hart for a minute? Yeah. Not a whole lot to say about her, but she's very interesting. And part of me got the impression that either she is just... Is she willfully ignorant? Exactly. Or is she in spirit supporting the women? She's like, something's going on here. I don't know. I'm just going to luxuriate in my hotel with all my money. And I couldn't quite get a read on it because we don't really see her enough. But she comes in when her husband is clearly having something going on with Dolly Parton and she's like oh you're so beautiful like she just yeah I think I think the idea is she's just supposed to be kind of checked out like like you know right maybe like, a, like an alcoholic or something <laughs> Just a poor rich lady like popping pills or whatever you know mm. I mean I, I don't know if, if you know if you're really supposed to come away with it with any clear read on 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 who she is as a character just you know if she is a problem they have to solve at least temporarily my alternative read on that would be that she actually like kills him or she she's like <laughs> finally someone is is gotten a plan because I can't think of a plan for myself so well it is interesting right because I agree with you Jen I don't think we know enough about her to really come down one way or another because in some scenes she seems like yeah she's checked out maybe she's doing drugs or drinking or something mm-hmm. like I mean she's happy to go on a vacation by herself for four weeks <laughs> but at the same time she does have that one scene where she acknowledges that like she knows her husband did not send her flowers and mm-hmm. was not kind to her and I kind of thought we were going to get a full circle moment where she would say I know it was you and I want to thank you because I haven't had a kindness from my husband in forever uh-huh. and then they'd walk it back and they just kind of make her seem stupid again would have been also nice if like a hot young lover had come out on the balcony behind her right like, give her a kiss <laughs> you know, you know? i feel like this, this movie had been like maybe five years later they definitely uh-huh. would have, they definitely mm-hmm. would have done that yeah well okay so let's talk about where this film ends and the fact that we have been trying to get a remake done for many many years and it has never happened because mm-hmm. i would love to know what you think of the ending but then also what we would do to modernize this well it's a basically like he still takes credit for most of the changes in the in the in the office but it ultimately results in him being removed from the office so it's a you know it's it's still a win for them yeah it is and it's not i I feel like it's a win for this office and a larger 
failure because the message still is like you have to work behind the scenes yeah. to get any of this done. They're basically conceding. Exactly. You yeah. Know, that you know, fine. He can take he can take you know credit for all the positive changes. You know, and and, and our and our reward is we're going to be rid of him because he's being promoted and sent to somewhere in Africa. Right. <laughs> no, it's uh, Brazil. Oh, Brazil. oh, that's right. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. He's like Brazil. You're right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. But he definitely like he fails up, and it's an interesting message because yeah. I do mm-hmm. feel like if we remade this today. Lily Tomlin would have been the one who gets promoted in his place. And it would have been, there would have been like a big, you know, audience cheering speech she gives or something like that. It's like, how dare you? And, but I think it's more realistic, you know, as depressing as it may seem to kind of take your small victories where you can get them. You know, they, 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 they have the workplace they want. They're rid of the boss, but still in the end, all of their work goes uncredited. Right. Yes. And only exists in this office. You know, right. it's not like a, a building wide change. And I think like to, to get my soapbox out again, like I understand why they make that choice. And I'm not saying I wouldn't make the exact same choice. But if you look at the larger system, it's like that's how these things keep getting perpetuated is because mm-hmm. it really does take like someone like Lily Tomlin or 20 people like Lily Tomlin to say, hey, no, those were my ideas. I will not let somebody else take credit. I demand to get the pay and the respect I want. But the thing is, like, if it's just one or two people, they're just going to get fired. And they're, mm-hmm. like we said, there's always somebody ready to take take their spot, you know. And so that's how we don't have systemic change is that it's so much easier to take these small victories because we right. don't believe that that systemic change is actually possible, you know. Yeah. Or even, you know, I can imagine another version of this where Mr. Hart doesn't get moved to Brazil, but he realizes, okay, you know what, I'm getting some credit. So he he ends up giving the women like a slight pay raise or Uh he's willing to let it slide that they made these changes. He won't walk them all back or something. Mm -hmm. And they would have to be happy with it because the alternative is, well, do you want this or do you want to lose your jobs? Right. right, and then you're back. Then you're back to well, I got you know, I got to take what scraps I can get. Mm-hmm. Well, and big cowboy hat man, he comes in and he's <laughs> I can't remember his name, but he's praising all of these accomplishments. I also don't think it's a coincidence that like he is the epitome of American masculinity in a lot oh, of absolutely. places in the country. But like he, like if John Ford had been alive, we could have gotten him in this place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but he thinks all of these things are great because he thinks a man did them, and it would be interesting. And, and, and it's improving his bottom line. Exactly, sure. and it would be interesting to see if he did know that it was these three women who had instituted all of these changes and had managed everything if he would still come in with this same congratulatory attitude you know right. he would he might say yes this is great but we still but i see a coffee mug on that desk and you know, look at all those plants you know i don't even know mm-hmm. I, I you know i don't even know and and you know i'm seeing things that aren't necessarily explicitly stated i don't even know i, I think those are just rules from from heart i think he he could do these stupid, meaningless things because he can. Yeah. You know, I, I, don't even th- I don't even think that's like, oh, you know, oh, it's come down from corporate that you can't have a coffee cup on your desk. I think it's just, you know, because he can. And, and yeah. you know, he has these people under his control and can, you know, he can make their, their, their everyday work experience as, as pleasant or unpleasant as he would like to. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and all, that ma- all, all that matters is they show up and do their job. And that they know he's the one that can make their lives miserable. Right. It could be way worse than this. You could be mm-hmm. on the unemployment line. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he gets to put his coffee mug on his desk. What the hell? <laughs> well, because he has a corner office. He's the exactly. boss. He can do whatever he wants. You know what would happen if my company couldn't have coffee? We would self-destruct. <laughs> I, I wish we could have seen Roz's office because, like, I would have loved to have known if she... Well, I guess she wasn't there. Hmm. You know what, never mind then, because I, I was going to say, I would have loved to have seen how Roz responded to the changes had she been around and uh. away at this French immersion camp. Like, would she have put her coffee on her desk? Would she have put a plant on her desk? Or would she have been like, oh, I'm just taking notes? I could see her office being a carbon copy of Mr. Hart's office and then whatever was changed to you know um it's like that episode of fraser when the guy just duplicates his apartment to the letter because i don't necessarily think for her it is about 
the fact that Mr. Hart is a man, I think it's just power for her. She just knows. Yeah, she, she has a female. If she had a female boss, she'd still be toting up to her too. I think you so know, too, I, yeah. I don't think it's like she's in love with them or anything. I think it's just you know, you know, that's <laughs> what you that's what you do. You ingratiate yourself to the boss at the you know at the expense of all of your coworkers absolutely loathing you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we all have or have at some point worked with someone like that where yep. it's like, oh, you know, this is the office kiss up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't trust them. Don't look right. for their shoes under the, the Do stall. not complain about your job to them because no. it will get back to your boss. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So let's switch to what would a contemporary remake look like? So I would like one thing that you think would show up from each of you. I think that Roz would be a more formidable antagonist for uh, them. Okay. I, I just think because I think people love seeing women pitted against other women. Right. So I think that she would be, she seems kind of a buffoon. You know, she's just, a, <laughs> she, she's just kind of, you know, she's not any kind of real threat to them. She's, mm. you know, we don't even know what she does exactly, except she's right. Hart, Hart's assistant. It was like, doesn't he already have an assistant? I thought that's what totally That's what every woman in the office is. Yeah, they're all assistant. I mean, how many assistants <laughs> yeah. does he need? So I, I think that she would have a more distinct role in the office. Right. And I think that she would be a, a secondary antagonist. Here she's just kind of a, a little bit of a thorn in their side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Hart's wife, you know, a problem they have to solve to, to yes. you know, to go forward with this plan. Right. Jen, what do you think? Uh, I think that the living wage and equal pay would be a much bigger consideration. You know, mm. daycare is great. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't want that. But if you have a livable wage, you that is it. not. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the way it's really interesting to see the way this movie handles that conversation because it almost feels like it's afraid to really go into it. You know, it's like right. because it wants to maintain this idea that the movie is not a threat to the established order, which it very much is, you know, it's just, it's still trying to have its smile on its face. And I'm not faulting it that at all. I completely well, it's how, so Sometimes you have to kind of sugarcoat the message a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is still like a major blockbuster Hollywood film. Exactly. Yeah. And I think also in 1980, that was a conversation that people were not willing to have nearly as easily as we are now it's something i think a lot of us have come to realize that that is the major thing that matters is equal pay and equal treatment and when you get those two things a lot of the other things they don't take care of themselves but they become a lot lower of a hurdle to get to you know so i think if Mm -hmm. if we were to modernize that i think that would be like the central cause you know right okay So mine, and I'm interested to hear what you think of this, is that if we did have a male boss, there would be no hint of sexual harassment at Mm, all. mm -hmm. But the women's victory would be much more celebratory. Like one of them would get promoted into his position. He would be exposed as like a complete buffoon or possibly arrested or something. Or a nepo baby. That'd probably be a a, a, a thing now. Yeah. Either that... Or I could see them gender swapping the boss and having Roz be like a dweebish male colleague who Mm. is like a simpering toady, but to a super powerful lady boss who is like anti-feminist. So like Sigourney Weaver and Working Girl or something? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, we should do Working Girl. Ooh, okay, I'm adding it to the list. <laughs> is she really losing her marbles, though? She seems to have it together for, for much that of the movie. Fair. I've actually never seen it, so I'm not sure. It's fine. It's very, again, it, it is exceedingly late 80s, right, right down to Joan Cusack's blue eyeshadow, but it's, it's fine. Okay. Well, maybe we'll just do a movie watch with just the three of us. Yeah, maybe we'll just have fun watching it. Um, yeah, I think that if we were to make it, I think part of the way that it would get sold is to do a gender swap with the bosses. Yeah, I, I think, and again, I think that, you know, kind of softens it for... It makes it less scary for men. Yeah, they're not, yes. they don't want to, they don't want to, you know, turn off a large part, of, which is a remarkable thing about when this movie was released, is mm-hmm. that it got overwhelmingly positive reviews. And, you know, without the benefit, if you want to call it that, of social media, mm-hmm. like, you, you don't have, you know, you didn't have people go, oh, well, this movie hates men, and, and which sure. it, do- it doesn't. I mean, no. no. The, you know, I mean, yeah, like, 
Jane Fonda's husband, ex-husband is kind of a jerk, but he wants to get back together with her. And, you know, you've got Dolly Parton's husband who's in like one scene. And he, you know, he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's seems great. like a nice he guy. He worships her. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, the only reason I like you is because you're pretty. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> he did tell her to smile too. And I was like, don't tell yeah, her Yeah, I did not like that. But... <laughs> well, he's her, he's her husband though. He's you harmless know? I, though. I, I think, yeah. you know, like, I, I don't think, I, I mean, I don't see how you can't hate Heart. I mean, he's a he's a loathsome character, right? But I think definitely, if it came out now, you get a lot of you know uh, discourse yeah. about like you know screaming feminist movie, and it's like yeah. you no, know, I mean, really, this movie hates men. Exactly. Well, and there's a difference between hating men and hating the patriarchy and the men that feed it, you know, because a lot of women feed it also. And I think if they did gender swap those roles, it would cut the message out, it would cut the knees of the film out from under it, because then we would... We'd be blaming a woman. Yeah, then it, then it just becomes like you know, oh, it's a you know, it's a workplace issue. It's not a exactly. patriarchy issue. So yeah, but those workplace issues are generally powered by the patriarchy. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. it would just be another one of the those kind of women. And are you the right kind of woman? And what does that mean? And. I do think that if we were going to remake it, that's the way it would get done. Which and I do, th- I do think one thing they would, I think they would have to probably change what each of the characters, the three women, represent mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know you're not likely anymore in this day and age going to have a forty year old woman who's just entering the workforce. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like you can still get away with Violet's character because she's a single mom. Like I think she, mm-hmm. she, was, a, she was a widow or something, and and. You know, definitely ageism is still a place, is still a problem in the workplace. Oh, sure. mm-hmm. And but I also don't think you have a character, you know, like God lover, but like you know, you wouldn't have a character who's who, her main attribute is that she's hot. She, she's sexy, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and again, like like you know, I don't know that anybody hires anybody anymore just because they look good. Yeah. Mm, depends on the industry, maybe. But. <laughs> that's true, yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, I'm in a workplace. You know, just an office setting. I think that, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean that sexual harassment isn't a thing. Oh, sure. But, you, but we have a lot of systems in place to keep that. Yeah, you'd probably do, you'd probably try to make it look a little less obvious as to why you hire someone. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it would be? Roz would be the head of HR. Yes. Ah, uh, yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Which, are we describing The Office? Is that... I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe we've already done it. We may have, yeah. And I do think if we did a modern one, I would like to see a little more diversity in the casting. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we have mentioned that there are some diverse characters, or non-white characters, but I mean, I don't know. I'm giving it a pass because it was a 1980s movie, but... Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, there, there I are mean... actors, there aren't people of color characters for sure right yeah but it also is that kind of uncomfortable white feminist thing mm-hmm. you know whereas if it were three white women now they, they don't have the time or the wherewithal to you know kind of go into the fact that if you're a person of color in a workplace you you have things holding you back beyond the typical you know male female right. work dynamic I mean, I right. do think that could be one of the things that they could address with a new oh, character. Oh, I'm sure right? they would do. Yeah. I'm sure they would Here's do. Here's a like, young black woman who gets passed over by white colleagues because... I, I have mm-hmm. no doubt that, and I feel like it would be Violet who would be would ultimately be play, recast as a, per, as a person of color. Uh-huh. And I could definitely see, you know, pointedly, you know, noting that she is passed over by a white man. Right. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's real. Because that's realistic. It is. It is. We, we yeah. heard and seen that story before. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, know, you get somebody like a you know you know, Viola Davis or something in that yeah. in that role, and, and you know just you know an older an older you know black actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like to see it remade though, because I definitely think that it is still an important message, and it's still something we yeah. need to do. It, I would like to say it remains, it's, it's got, it has to be with a careful hand though because... Yeah. Like, I so want to be in one, charge of it. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I do, I, I like the slapsticky humor in, in the, in the, the first version. You guys seem to be a little less into it, but I, th- mm. I think it's, I think it's kind of, it's, it's, it's enjoyable. It's amusing. It's charming. Sure. But, yeah. but I don't know that any modern version, because it's so bleak that so little has changed since then, you, you have to be yeah. a little, a little more careful with the tone. 
I think the tone maybe would have skewed a little more towards that awkward kind of office humor, a little, you know, the cringy kind of moments instead of the yeah the cartoony stuff you gotta, you, know? be, you gotta be careful to have your boss boss character not turn into a michael scott where you know yeah mm-hmm. where he's lovable he's yeah. an idiot who clearly you know is out of his depth with his job but you kind of kind of liking him anyway yeah yeah exactly. he still has to have the intellect to like pull this off he can't be a buffoon yeah mm-hmm. i mean hearts hearts is smart i mean he's not he's not failed upward there's just there's just a certain point well you say he has at the end i would but, say at the end he does but not until that you know point. he's gotten his yeah. job because he he's cutthroat and he knows how to play people against other people you know he he knows how to keep his employees under his thumb mm-hmm. by you know having the you know subtle if not occasionally unsubtle threat of, of job loss hanging over them so he, yeah. he knows he knows what he's doing Mm-hmm. And he's doing crime too. Like there's well, there that's, that's, that's a criminal. That, that too, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I do think but that his are white collar crimes, Jen. So it's exactly. Fine. So it's fine. Yeah, and he's a man, so he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> but I do think if we did a modern one, it would have to have some element of humor with it. Oh, for sure. You know, because a little sugar to make the medicine. Go I, I think it would have to be a little a little drier. I think so right. too. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think we should write the script. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I was going to say, or maybe we turn this over to listeners and say, what do you think would show up and what would you like to see show up? Yes. Hey, give us some free ideas. <laughs> there we we'll go. make it there happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we announce where we're headed next, uh, Gina, if listeners have other suggestions apart from Viola Davis, who could play that role, how would they get in touch? Uh, you can listen to my podcast. I am the co-host of the Kill by Kill podcast. I also have a Substack, Gina Watches Things And far long, much longer at last, I am on Twitter under Gina Does Things. All right, and Jen, if people would want to suggest other archetypes that could show up <laughs> in a remake, how would they get in touch with you? Um, you can find me at Jim Ferratu on um, social media, wherever is still thriving. Um, and also hosting the Losers Club podcast and the Girls on the Boys. And I write about a lot of this stuff. So if you've liked my soapboxes today, <laughs> check out my writing. If you have not, probably not the, the writer for you. But there we you know, go. Talk about and i can be reached at b still my remote and that's the letter b and of course thank you as always to the anatomy of a screen pod squad network for hosting the show but ladies the summer heat is upon us white ladies in crisis we're we're gonna take a vacation but i think we're still gonna podcast as we go (laughs) i'm just going to be live streaming the whole thing because we're gonna be talking about influencer babies yes, so excited yeah yes. i'm gonna swap each of our faces onto other people's faces so that nobody knows what is real yeah i'm just gonna i'm just gonna i'm just gonna uh use ai to generate my voice for all the sponsors. <laughs> mm-hmm. these are all I great like ideas Techno- movie. <laughs> technology baby the future is now <laughs> All right. Well, I'm excited because you two have seen this movie. I have not. Oh, you haven't it, seen it? it. Oh. It's, a, it's a lot of fun. It is. All I'm right. excited. And it is like an incredibly fast hour and a half. It just, mm-hmm. you know, bam, 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 just breezes right by. Amazing. I love that for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until Influencer, I will say dress your boss up in sex, like sex gear. Because that yes. seems like a good way to suspend him. Pour yourself that cup of ambition. Yeah, don't forget the cigars. <laughs> Leave them within reach also. <laughs> there we go. The Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad.